I'm Shelby Jopi, and this is Curiosity, where WDET finds the answers to your questions about everything Detroit. My name is Priya Ganji, and I'm a 14-year-old from Northville, Michigan. So my question was, how did the Arab community grow to be what it is today in Detroit? In Dearborn South End, it's not uncommon to hear or see Arabic alongside English. Arab-American-owned grocery stores, butcher shops, mosques, and churches fill the neighborhood. This is one of the oldest enclaves of Arab-Americans in Michigan, and today Metro Detroit is home to one of the largest populations of Arab-Americans in the U.S. Priya wants to know, how did this community become what it is today? Its growth over the past century can be traced through what some call an unfortunate combination of events involving war and poverty in the Arab world and economic opportunity in the United States. My name is Nishat Bazzi. My family immigrated in 1885, and they have been here in the United States and Detroit area specifically ever since. Bazzi's grandfather was among a small group of the first Arab immigrants, mostly Lebanese and Syrian Christians, that settled in the U.S. My father's family originates from the south of Lebanon. Poverty was, of course, very stark. They were raised in a village and had little access to the city of Beirut, but he really wanted an opportunity for himself, and he really wanted his children um, to be born and raised in the United States. Bassie's grandfather found work in the Detroit area as a merchant selling fruits and vegetables and later managed a grocery store. He married, had children, and Bassie says while they were still relatively poor, they had a pleasant life and a thriving community. These folks felt a sense of loyalty to the land that they consider gave them freedom and economic opportunity. A couple of decades later, around the turn of the century, a large group of Arab immigrants made its way to Detroit, which marked the first major period in the community's growth. Sally Howell is the director of Arab American Studies at the University of Michigan-Dearborn. She says the event that triggered this influx also attracted people from around the world. It was the $5 workday that Henry Ford announced that went into effect in January of 1914 that really drew people to the city. Um, it, it was just sort of revolutionized work. The growth of the automobile industry in Detroit meant ample work and exceptional pay for the time. It drew in immigrants as well as whites and African Americans from southern states. From 1910 to 1930, Detroit's population more than tripled in size, going from roughly 460,000 to over one and a half million. A lot of them came from the Ottoman Empire, which was in a state of decline. Many of the new immigrants settled in Highland Park. Across the street from Henry Ford's factory, a group of Arab, South Asian, and European Muslims opened the first purpose-built mosque in the United States. Not all Arabs are Muslims, though. In fact, most of the first Arabs to come to the U.S. were Christians. They opened up churches around the city. These places of faith provided central support systems that would become a big draw to the city for Arab immigrants. Part two of the story of Detroit's Arab-American community begins with a change in U.S. immigration policy. In the 1920s, the federal government effectively banned Arabs and Asians. The U.S. did not lift this ban until some 40 years later. Nevertheless, the lift of the ban was timely for many people fleeing civil war in the Arab world. So my name is Hassan Jaber. I'm an immigrant myself. I was born in Lebanon and came here because of the civil war. 
The Lebanese Civil War began in 1975 and involved multiple religious, political, and ethnic groups. It lasted 15 years. Jabber came to Detroit at the beginning of the war. Many Lebanese immigrants, like him, fled in the late 1970s and 80s and settled in the south end of Dearborn. There, an established community of Arab Americans lived and worked nearby at Ford's Rouge plant. A group of Arab American Vietnam veterans saw that this huge influx of immigrants desperately needed help finding jobs, health care, and learning English. So the group formed the Arab Community Center for Economic and Social Services, or ACCESS. Jabber is now the CEO of ACCESS, one of the nation's largest Arab American organizations. I think it's unfortunate that immigration to Detroit from the Arab world is is always triggered by unrest. So every war we see an influx of immigration. We've seen it in the 90s because of the Iraqi war. And unfortunately, we're seeing it now with the civil war in Yemen and the Syrian conflict. And this takes us to the third major period in Arab immigration that begins right around the first Gulf War in the early 1990s. It continues today with ongoing conflicts in Iraq, Syria, and Yemen, and across North Africa. Jabber says the Arab-American population here has doubled since the 80s. The Arab-American Institute says that number was around 350,000 people in 2012. But what makes Metro Detroit so attractive? Jabber says many folks have family members or former neighbors who moved here. Another reason is the strong network of churches, mosques, and service organizations to support life in the U.S. And the third? There are roughly around 11,000 small businesses owned by Arab Americans, employing 170,000 people. So that by itself is, is almost a sub-economy that they can have opportunities for jobs. Jabber says the Trump administration's travel ban and new immigration policy are making it difficult to predict what it will mean for those hoping to immigrate to Metro Detroit today. The Arab community in Detroit that dates back to the early merchants of the late 1880s continues to build roots and thrive some 130 years later. As conflict lingers in the Arab world, experts and community leaders say a strong base of family connections, social services, and places of faith will continue to draw more and more Arabs to Metro Detroit in the years to come. To ask your question about Detroit or the region, visit WDET.org curious. Thanks for listening. I'm Shelby Jopi. WDET's Curiosity is supported by Michigan Science Center. More at mi-sci.org.